Alright guys, what's up? This is the second part of our special English episode for Economics Hangover. And I'm here again with Al. Hello. My big friend. And uh, we're continuing the conversation of the last episode. We, we stopped on international trade and the necessity of human beings to, you know, uh, get resources from other places in order to survive. In short... We're not really necessary. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so why do you why do you think that? All right. Well, uh, I think that human beings are necessary mostly in like the really planning stages of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like what human beings are good at is like figuring out who is best for the job, as in. We're not the best for the job. I'm not good for this job. I'm going to put other people who are mm-hmm. good for the job. And that's what we're good at. Okay. Like, we've naturally been able to put people, like, to organize things to work in our advantage. And that's what we got the modern world right now. It's just a continuation of this organization thing. Mm-hmm. And continuing on that, we're going to eventually figure out that AI is better than us at almost everything. And there's very few things that they're not better than us. The things that are not better than us is specifically the organizing parts. The thing is, like, we're talking about trade. So, like, yes, when, when, when we get about trade, uh, of course, like, I do agree, like, that machines are much better than most of the manual labor and uh, uh, gray matter things that we can do when it comes to like calculations or everything. But when you get with something like trade, like very tangible things, like resources, things that we need in, uh, to have like a real tangible thing, uh, it comes into the necessity like we were, we were talking about before, that we have like no nation has all the resources. Instead of like some nations that are very privileged, like we we're talking about the United States, that it has like a huge... Mm-hmm. Uh, geographical scale with different kinds of environments but like most of the nations they don't they need to, to exchange uh, you know uh, raw materials mm-hmm. in order to to help each other to produce just on a small tangent I personally think that this is like I don't want to say that this is like US propaganda or whatever mm-hmm. but I'm I do think that the US has influenced like the borders of enough countries so that they will work at their advantage because if mm-hmm. you notice at a grand scale most countries don't have the resources they need yeah and borders are designed by the victors and a lot of the times these victors are allied with powerful people and these powerful people tend to be the US and what that means is that every country in the world is at a disadvantage in one way or another Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what uh, the the purpose of the AI would be in this particular sense would just be to like better manage, and like that fact alone influences a lot because uh, you're yeah. like yeah continue. No, I mean, there's already some 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 sorts of programs that do that. Like for example, like logistic companies they use the SAP, which is a it's it's like a software that like. It manages like uh, pretty much like the the entire life of a of a of a trading company, and uh, it facilitates all the process. For example, how many 
uh, units of such raw material I need to have in each uh, container in order mm. to you know exchange equally with my partner and things like that. So it already kind of exists in some forms. Yeah. Of, yeah. Because it's 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 literally impossible to have a person walking around with a with a sheet of paper and just you know like counting the boxes and and doing the math. You know. Exactly. In Oh, what that means is that human beings will be more free to do the higher cognitive stuff. Yeah. And that frees up a lot of capital because a lot of money is squandered in bullshit reasons. Like most of them corruption related. Mm-hmm. But if your needs are met, it's kind of like corruption is not really even a necessary thing anymore Mm -hmm. because the reason why corruption was a thing back then is because life is hard Mm -hmm. and you need to provide for your family and so you need to figure out ways in which you can corrupt the system to make sure you get those things but an equitable system run by the AI you can't convince the AI to give you stuff Mm -hmm. so I think that we humanity would come to a point where we're going to need to rewrite everything from constitutions to borders to everything so that we yeah. can like live to this new adaption. Like the AI is real, yeah. it's here and it's serious. So we need to change things to make sure that they don't hurt us. Yeah, they're already thinking like some countries like especially Scandinavian countries, which we cannot count their level of transparency and development. They're already thinking about implementing uh, voting systems through AIs and blockchain. So it can be... Uh, they can choose like the right person through the most transparent and logical manner oh, yeah. based on the country's necessities. See, like the thing is like this particular slice of human development mm-hmm. has been going on for a few thousand years. And people normally like to make the break at the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. But that's not true. Because human society has been operating a very specific way mm-hmm. for way longer than that. Like, since, since, like, since the collapse of the Bronze Age, you know, like, since we had the Roman Empire, for example, we've had this system of trading things and for trading money for goods and services, but like, all sorts of different things got attached to it, like ways that you can manipulate the system, ways in which you can trick the person, ways that you can manipulate the system to work in your advantage. Yeah, I mean... And these are all things that are going to be gone because of the fact that they, uh, the AI doesn't give a shit about you or those things. Yeah, I think the... Let me add something to what you said. Yes, that is, that is correct. Um, but that there's something additionally because like before trading was done for, through barter and uh barter can be very unequal because it doesn't like uh it doesn't who determines value yeah who determines value so i think it like perhaps the greatest evolution that came uh, was the monetary system that we we have nowadays i mean oversimplifying like it became what it became because it was like if it wasn't for money, we wouldn't be able to make trades in the way we do with the with the right, uh, you know, intentions of both parties. So just add to that, like I think that 
once the monetary system was was the, uh, implemented, the, the the trading system became much more uh, dynamic, and it became what we see now. But even nowadays, like for example, with the aid of technology, uh, for example, like uh, through the blockchain system, uh, people are choosing to make transactions through through the blockchain because it's much faster. It's uh it's most transparently like you can see who makes the transactions less corrupt because even if like uh if you trade from a bank, for example like uh I want to send you some money to the US, I need to, you know, go to my banker and ask him for doing that and that's going to take a couple of days through the blockchain it takes much less time and you receive your money and mm -hmm anybody can see what the transaction are is being made like the coding system it, it displays for everyone else i'm not saying that the blockchain is going to submit to paper money because there's some people that say that and i i really disagree with that opinion because like uh you know bitcoin and all the cryptocurrencies it, it doesn't have any um exchange of value it doesn't have any uh liquidity i mean i would argue that none of it does I mean, if you think about it, every single currency in the world is pegged to the dollar, and the dollar is pegged to what? I mean, in the well, and nothing from 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 a financial guy, uh, it's not quite like that because I mean, you do need some kind of uh, it's fake liquidity. No, you do need some kind of liquidity to pay very short term things. For example, you need to pay something now. You need to have paper money. You can't, or else yeah. you. Or else you're going to be in debt. So you do need some some liquidity to 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 make very short term payments. So that's why I don't I don't believe that uh, cryptocurrencies will substitute entirely the monetary system. I think that they will take a lot of it from once they're fully developed it. But I think we're still going to have like this immediate exchange money to to pay for this kind of things. Yeah. Like I think that that brings about like a conflict that also never been displayed before yeah. the conflict between the real and the virtual just because the fact that like we created this new environment in which we could operate through that isn't the real world and yeah that yeah. that changes things because yeah. like in the real world we all know what the rules are the rules are survive and make sure you're fine you live another day yeah. and like the currencies that are established through those things are based on precedent and they're based on like things that have Intangible been done values, yeah right? like they're based on things that have been done for ages and they've yeah. been proven to work but the point of the virtual is the opposite of that you're trying to create a better system that's never been thought of before yeah i mean uh the the internet changes by the second and uh we still it's it's already a, a, a alternate reality that we have yeah it really is an alternate reality because like the way human beings live isn't necessarily the way that like human beings live on paper when you talk yeah. about like all these virtual th stuff I was think they're different motivations I always think it's interesting because like um, there's like even like this kind of I saw this meme I don't know exactly where from and when, but it just it just recall right now that it says like uh like every introspective person's feelings like they always feel really 
extroverted in social media. They're like super outgoing and they talk to everybody and they play this persona, but like in real life, they're very uh, shy and very reclusive. So it's kind of like that. And the internet, we always build our kind of persona. That's how the internet changes everything because like for the first time, you can do things the way you want. And like that goes beyond everything you could ever do. Like it it's, deals with the persona. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like the one thing about life that we could never change is ourselves. Yeah. And the internet allows us to do that. Like yeah. I think that's amazing. Like in a really shitty way, but it's amazing. No, we were even talking about this in the educational system. Like, I mean, we're also going to see a big shift in education because like before in the past there was this very uh like uh static system that it was like you have to get up early in the morning and go to class and attend classes take notes study and do an exam and receive a, a certain type of qualification so you can be considered qualified but nowadays in the internet we have all these kind of free resources with the same kind of knowledge sometimes even better explained than your 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 professor i'm not saying provided mm-hmm. or bad <laughs> i'm just saying that sometimes for some some because learning it's very 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 subjective subjective everyone has a different tie style of learning so sometimes you have a resource in the internet that is free that it's specific specific for your needs and you can do it home for free eating popcorn <laughs> yeah you know and honestly I, I've noticed like a, a sort of a, a link between early medieval life and this right now and what I'm saying by that is like back then you had an established pattern of how you do things but that established pattern of how you do things was enforced by weak governmental institutions yeah it was like a feudal system right? yeah literally like, it was like, literally feudalism it was like you, have, yeah. you need to learn how to form or else I'm gonna kill you and your family yeah. <laughs> like, you had you, you had the established doctrine that's being propelled by weak institutions and you also have a plethora of very powerful people who are able to influence politics and I think we're at a point where this is happening again like Jeff Bezos owns more money than anything ever. And like he's more rich than the next two people, the next two people in the scale combined. Yeah, I also get I also get kind of um uh, think it's very sketchy that like uh we reach also point because I mean financial markets ex- exist for some centuries right now. I mean, they started in uh if I'm not mistaken, it's 18th century, 17th century mm. um, in the Netherlands and in, in England. Yeah. And I mean, it's common. People want to trade. They even existed, even like the most primitive kind of financial markets existed in Japan in the 16th century where they used to trade rice. But I mean, so it's normal. Like they always existed. It's it's always been a part of the financial system. But it was also always a, 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 a universe uh, made for unspecific reason to finance companies so they have more resources more, more financial resources to continue their businesses but we got into a point 
into the financial markets that have become like you're seeing companies, you're seeing individuals making more money than a country, which is really odd because in the past it was just like it was just like it was necessary for a company to finance its needs and you know whenever it needs more money will come back and just make the system going. Yeah. Now, nowadays you have like guys like you said Jeff Bezos and um, you know like the entire Google and the Facebook like they have more money than countries the entire just, countries and then it's just like it gets very scary and to the point that when when are these companies like you know mon- like money talks in today's world I mean once once they're gonna start having like uh, more rights than they have then it's a complete control of them yeah see this is exactly like what I what we were talking about that like everything needs to be shifted from constitutions to governments and everything and general because like we're at a point exactly like medieval Europe where you have come like you have people that are more powerful than entire governments and that changes everything because like you can't have faith in a government institution if you don't believe it that it's supreme yeah I think that like um, when I used to live in Europe um, I don't know if you're you you know that but like in Europe they have the whole uh they have really strict laws into like online data so like i mean the european uh the eu passed this law that like every website you need to uh you need to agree with the cookies yeah know, like in order to get their data and you're free to decline and uh i think that was a really awesome step by europe because nowadays Everyone surfs on the internet, everyone browses, and while you're doing that, companies are getting so much data without your consent to market things for you, to sell you things, to literally manipulate you, and you don't even know. And it, it, I feel really uncomfortable about that. And I think that was a really, I'm not like, just like you said, like, I'm not being like, your EU or like being there like the defender but I thought that was a really sensitive move and really necessary move especially in this point of history because if we don't control this it's going to come out of hand and once it comes out of hand it's going to be too big for us to to manage something out because the internet it, be, it became this other universe we don't have control over it oh yeah so I mean, particularly, I don't feel comfortable about having companies uh, getting this data for free, you know, without my consent. So oh yeah, I mean, honestly, like every government has been way off their game since the Soviet Union fell, because mm-hmm. I feel like that was the one goal, right? Like Cold War was the point, beat the Soviets, and yeah. once we got there. There's nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean the 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 all the powerful people the have objective to find was, out different things to do. Yeah, the thing was like, okay, the USSR is down. Now's the time of the capitalism. Let's capitalize everything until like it gets, you know, like now are these are the days. These are the days. Like, but it got like I think it was, I think it was like this. Historically speaking, down of the USSR, we entered the nineties, and then try with capitalism like Bill Clinton's administration Bill Clinton does a really good job with the US economy and then it comes the internet the dot the dot com crisis which 
it kind of sucks for like some companies and some individuals, but it was still not a huge hit. And then it comes a 2008 crisis, and then everyone feels it, entire US, Europe, the entire globe, and then we say, okay, I think we got a little bit out of hand. And yeah. And you know why these things happen, right? Because of the fact that, like, this is the first sign of the global, of the global system, right? Like we've had a few tinges of the global system back in, in history, mm-hmm. like at the times when like the Chinese would meet the Romans, some shit that like once in a lifetime type of situation because they're so far, we're at a different time. Like we figure out how to connect these two sides of the world and that's enough. Very fast. Yeah. And that's, that alone is enough to spur a lot of, a lot of development and to create this paradigm shift because I genuinely think that the world would work better as a world government. But the reason I think that is like from an economic perspective, like economies of scale matter. Like, yeah, in a sense, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just think that like if you just cut bureaucracy everywhere in the world and just make sure that everyone is accountable to a single system. The hard thing is because like every single region has different, you know, like different uh, ideas and different needs and different requests and demands. Like I remember when I used to live in Spain, like they have this whole separatist movement with Catalonia. With Catalonia, yeah. And that, that thing is really serious. And I mean, and that happens a lot in Europe. And I noticed that a lot. You just in Spain, there's like, like you think Spain is a country, but there's all these different regions that are talking about that. And I mean, I think it's just so hard to unite everyone out because well, like everyone has different views, different opinions, different cultures. It's in just, Spain case in particular, like all of those countries were united by force. And that's kind of what I was saying that we need to readjust every constitution of the world like all of these things were developed and designed for a world for and by a world that was that couldn't even imagine the internet yeah I mean I think like talking through a really long term like hundred of years maybe so because also like we're having like for example like uh, oh yeah, I should have noted that I only think in macro, like real I, macro. <laughs> like I'm a macro guy. I can't think of it. Fut- in macro futuristic. Levels. Yeah, like I'm thinking hundreds of years in the line. Yeah, that's good to point out for people that are listening home. So yeah. it's not we're not speaking like uh, ten years. I'm like, yeah, I'm not talking like ten years. I'm talking hundred years. Yeah, or even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably while we're alive, we're not gonna be able to see. I mean, the idealistic thing would be like. Um, there's this okay I'm gonna geek out here a little bit <laughs> one of my one of my favorite uh, animes it's Evangelion yeah you like it yeah I've, I've watched it yeah I mean it's very deep and one of like the ideas of the anime it's that like uh, one of the the main characters father which is Shinji's father he is like this big scientist and like he lost his wife because of the disease you know mm-hmm. And uh, his great idea is to create uh, this human uh, entire consciousness. So everyone can share their own consciousness 
and it doesn't exist anymore sadness or any more suffering because everyone shares their own consciousness as an entity mm. okay this is very woo woo <laughs> but I, I, I mean that's an interesting topic and I think we should save that for another episode I mean it does exist philosophically because I mean he didn't just pop that out because who, who came up with like this was uh, who was the name of the guy man I forgot the name of the philosopher uh, uh, Hegel I guess Hegel yeah, yeah I think it was Hegel uh, yeah, I think it was Hegel. He was the guy that influenced Marx, right? One of them, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it was Hegel. So he came up with that concept. I mean, through a new, uh, utopic perspective, we want that because like, we want everyone to try. We want society to work. But as we were speaking, like, when you start having your own necessities, when you start having your own needs, it's just become like... Uh, it becomes more complex, more grayish than just that. Yeah, because just because of the fact that we were talking about that human beings don't think about it, don't think about things in a geopolitical sense. Yeah. Which is inherently flawed. Like, the geopolitical necessity is the only necessity that really actively matters. Everything else is just extra. Yeah, I think it would be like, um, no, I'm still speaking on a really macro scale, because, you know, like, I did yeah. an episode a couple of months ago with Victor about the economics of space. We were talking about the oh, new, that's interesting. The new uh, NASA mi- missions. I'm watch that. Yeah, you should check that out. Um, we were talking about the, because like... The NASA started expanding again to the moon because they were mm-hmm. looking for mineral resources and water. And I mean, the first concept of economics is that it's the science of scarcity. So like everything's scarce here on Earth. So it's like there's a really a lot of economic incentives for for we continue to expand to space because I mean mm-hmm. eventually things are gonna run out here. Oh you know? bro. I gotta remind you that this is a whole other thing that we need to talk about. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, I, I personally, I don't think we're done with capitalism anytime soon. Like, it's another, it's a step in the cog, it's a step in the stage, but it's still a stage that we're very much not even close to done. Like, yeah, uh, if you're thinking about it in a Kardashev level, mm-hmm. you know Kardashev, right? Yeah. Like the Kardashev scales and stuff like civilization type one, type two, and type three. Oh yeah, I use a, I use a, uh, I know another kind of concept which is the, the human development model from. Uh, exactly. It's one from like uh, Claire, Claire Graves, if I'm not mistaken. That are like uh, there's like, tires of development of conscious mm-hmm. development. Yeah. And uh, according to his model, he was a this a Harvard psychologist. According to his model, right now we're living in the orange stage, which which is a uh, capitalism and uh, like business type mentality, mm-hmm. which is just a is just a phase of humanity. It's just a phase of humanity. Because like the previous phase, it was the stage blue, which was uh, the stage of like very controlled and constrict systems like religious systems like like theocracy and systems that are uh ruled by such mentality because um it was what like through a greater scale like through a greater scale have more control 
but once technology and science started thriving, you know, it's just developed to a more business-like state. And the next stage, which is like a stage that so far we have no, uh, you know, like real data to get because humanity didn't get into that development level. It's the yellow stage where we 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 unite what is best in business. No, sorry. The next one is the green stage, which is more like a hippie spiritual stage. But after the green stage, there's the yellow stage, which is what where when we unite the best pragmatism of business with the best parts of the green stage, which which is like more human and altruistic, and we build a system that it's more that is pragmatic but also more humane. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, I definitely get that. I think that that's still in the my like in a kind of a micro scale. Yeah. I, I I totally agree with that though. Like that that's just a natural progression of things. Yeah. On a, on a Kardashev type level though, like human beings are not even close to done with with capitalism. Yeah, for Clark Graves. Not even me. close yeah. because like there's things that still need to be built, and as long as things need to be built, we need capitalism to supply that. Yeah, of course. Because, like, we've tried to do government-run things before, but the issue with government-run things is that if governments are run by humans, then there is interests that you need to take into account. And those interests aren't literally unnecessary. Yeah. Like, NASA, before SpaceX, was just a conglomeration of states trying to develop different parts. Yeah, and that's not that's not efficient. And beat and beat the USSR. Yeah, it was it was pure the the whole. Uh, it was yeah, that was pure geopolitical. It was, yeah, like, it was pure uh, competition. It was like the Olympics, you know. Even after that, like the way that NASA produced things, yeah, was all based on regionalism because they needed to get the votes. Like they needed to spur the jobs in the locations that they needed the votes from. So. NASA was incredibly inefficient because you would need, oh, I need to produce stuff in that particular region of the government of the country because I need those votes because NASA is a government institution. Yeah, it's not a private business. They can't just decide to do things. Yeah. So, it, it, and that's just the thing. Capitalism helps out in that particular segment because it pushes you where you didn't think you needed. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just like we were using this metaphor before, like, uh, through an overly simplified manner, like, uh, like, the government's supposed to play a role as a referee in a a match. Like, I agree. He's there to, he's there to regulate, to dictate how things are going, and then the markets go by their business, but whenever they, they step out of the boundaries, or they do something wrong, the referee has to stop the game and say, hey guys. And even speaking of AI, I think this is a really interesting point too, that like, what's the reason for conservatives to dislike government, right? They dislike government because they don't trust the people running it. And an AI system in which it could design exactly how it would run, you would need that. So yeah. I feel like that's the death of that particular idea because of the fact that like, oh, okay, we have a way to prevent exactly what you're afraid of. Okay. I think that is the biggest challenge that we, 
we as a society and as a species, we're going to have to, you know, like just go through a process of trial and error. It's creating like a real transparent government. Yeah. Because it's like, as, as if you said, like as long as you have human beings there, it's going to As long be- as you have human beings there, you can have a transparent government. That's kind of part of it too, though. Like, yeah. We're not going to be able to advance to a Kardashev one civilization if we're still run by humans because humans are fallible and humans are dumb and humans make bad decisions that are based on self-interest and they're emotional <laughs> and they're emotional there's that like the idea that a nuclear war could be started because one person was offended is just I mean uh, most wars really are really real I mean, most war starts for the most stupid reasons. And really? In, in, in history, explains that. Straight up. Like, fucking, Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. And that started everything. It's just... It's like, just, what? <laughs> what? Think it's of, literally like the butterfly effect. Literally. Like, I'm just picturing Gabriel Princip sitting in the coffee shop, having his sandwich. And then this guy comes by and like the way that it happened was just like the driver wasn't from Sarajevo. He's a Viennan. He like he's from Austria. Yeah. The driver's from Austria. He doesn't know shit about how to drive in Bosnia. So he's there in Bosnia making a three-point turn. And in 1914, bro, a three-point turn took forever. Yeah. Like the car was shit. Like, There's no, like, yeah, like, it mo. took forever. So, Garvila Princip is sitting there having a sandwich after he just attempted assassination. Like, he threw a bomb into the crowd and the bomb failed. So, he's like, what would you, first off, what would you do if you were in that situation? You attempted to assassinate, <laughs> a, like, an emperor's son, like, the, the fucking crown prince. Yeah. You attempted to assassinate the crown prince and you, you failed. failed. You're gonna go have a sandwich. Okay, I'm just tired. It's just like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm gonna go fucking have a sandwich. Yeah. But at that sandwich place, you notice this guy taking a three point turn that is taking like forever. Your gun is right in your pocket. <laughs> like, the idea that human development could be influenced by such a small inconsequential thing is just monumental it's insane that's the that's what like one of my favorite authors talks about um the black swan have you ever heard tell i have heard of it but i never heard it well oversimplifying his theory it's that like like every event can be uh influenced by unknown variables that you can never know where they're gonna come from and they're gonna influence a, an event directly. It's just like you assuming that like, uh, for example, that all swans are white, but that is not necessarily true because there might have a species that is bl- a black swan, so. You would never know because you're not looking for those things. Because you cannot look at everything at the same time. So these very random events may happen without anybody predicting despite the entire complexity that we have in science and mathematics yeah well i think we're good for today 
Is there something else we want to add for, for this episode? Uh, I like to come up with newer topics. But, like, oh, I got so much going on. We're going to have so many more episodes. Cool. Uh, shit, I think we're good for now. I, yeah. I, I can't think of anything at this particular moment. Keep those at it. I mean, we can record anytime. Yeah, exactly. So, well, guys, if you enjoyed this special series in English, uh, you know, please subscribe on your Spotify. You know, just hit the subscribe button. It's the green one. So we can continue making free content. And uh, if you guys enjoyed the English episodes, we can keep on going. And we have both in English and Portuguese now. So we have a larger public. And uh, please rate. Please subscribe. And you know, keep watching us on Economics Hangover. See you guys later. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Bye.